Welcome to the Dating After Divorce podcast. I'm your host, Shade Curry, and I believe every divorced woman deserves a romantic relationship where she feels safe, loved, and cherished. You can create the most amazing life after divorce, and I will teach you how. Hello, ladies. Welcome back. So today I decided to tackle the big question, where are all the good men? (laughs) And I haven't met any woman who's dating after her divorce who hasn't asked this question at one point in time or the other. I get a lot of questions around it. I hear complaints. There are no good men out there. I have talked to women who have tried the dating apps. Some have been on matchmaking services, high-end matchmaking services. Um, They have said, well, I've looked around at my church and all the guys at church are all married. Everyone in my community is married. All the guys I meet are jerks and creeps. All the guys on the dating apps are jerks. The kind of guy I want is definitely not on the dating apps. Um, I even joined a couple of groups, but there's no one in there saying anything. All the single events are lame and there's no one good at any of those events. Basically, they tell me that there is just no place where their guy is going to be found and thus the guy doesn't exist. And sometimes I will question them. I said, hey, do you know anyone that's gotten married lately? Do you know anyone who's dating a good guy? And they're like, yeah, yeah, totally. But their attitude around that is that that person, that woman just got lucky. The stars just aligned in the right way and that this isn't going to ever happen for, for, for them. And they have all of this evidence that they show me, look, everyone says that uh, all the guys on the apps are jerks. I was on the app for X amount of time and all the guys I met were not good guys or none of them were the guys that were the guys that I wanted to meet. And when I hear this, I know that this is a key indicator that they are letting their default thinking or just the natural bent of the brain, the way the brain likes to think. These women are letting that part of their brain run the show and they're not questioning what's real. So in any situation, there are two things that are always happening. There's the fact of the situation. There are the actual numbers. There's the actual evidence. And then there is the narrative or the interpretation that we put on that situation. So um, a lady goes onto a dating app. She's on there for two weeks. She gets all these crazy messages from people who are sending her maybe pictures of their body parts or they're soliciting her or they just aren't compatible with her. One woman would take this as evidence that, oh, there are definitely no good guys on the dating apps. While another woman might be, hey, okay, these guys aren't the guy, but there's a chance that the guy that I want is there somewhere down the line. And these two attitudes are the complete um, difference, or these two attitudes create completely different outcomes. So let's start with the facts. What are the actual facts of whether or not there are good men out there? Like, what is the truth around that? And what I like to do is play with the numbers. So when I start out 
with a client who has felt like there's just no one in her neighborhood, we will actually look at the statistics. So I will, we will go online and we'll look for her local statistics. We'll search on her city and say, okay, well, how many people are in that city? And we'll take a look at how many of them are single. And sometimes we have to dig a little deep and do a little bit of work to figure out what are the, what is the actual truth of her situation? So, I'm just going to play with the numbers in terms of the people on the planet, right? So let's say there are 7 billion people on the planet, right? We know about half of them are going to be men. So you have 3.5 billion men. Let's say 2 billion of that 3.5 are just, you know, too young for you. That leaves 1.5 billion men on the planet. Okay, well, let's say half a billion of them are too old, right? They're just not the right age range for you. All right, we'll take them out. You've got a billion men left. Let's say two-thirds of those are married. I mean, I'm just really being generous with the numbers of those who are not a right fit here. Let's say two-thirds of them are married. So that leaves you with 300 million. This is on the entire planet. Um, let's say the sexual orientation for some of them is not what you would be looking for. Maybe let's take out um, you know, 150 million. That leaves you 150 million, 150 million men. Now, let's say out of the 150 million men, let's say uh, 100 million of them are, you know, just the kind that you, they're creeps and they're jerks or they're narcissistic, they're unfaithful, they're emotionally unavailable, they're basically disordered in some way. That leaves you with about 50 million men on the planet that are like, okay, these are good men, they're single, and could potentially be compatible with you. 50 million. Well, let's say half of them are, wouldn't be compatible with you. Like you wouldn't want them. They wouldn't want you. You would have different tastes. Um, you would have, a, you know, different lifestyles or maybe not compatible financially. Just all the things that would be incompatible. That leaves you 25 million, million men that on the planet that are potentially compatible with you. Well, let's say, I don't know. 24 million of them don't live in your geographical area. So we'll take 24 million of the 25 million away and say only 1 million of them even live in your country or in your state. Can you see how like, even if we generously narrow down all of these numbers, at the very minimum, you potentially have hundreds of compatible single men in your community right now. And I get it. Sometimes when you go on the app, it looks like, well, where are they? And I have literally had clients tell me this. Well, you've got to show me where these men are. And the reason I have to show them where the men are is because the thinking that there are no men literally creates a blind spot where you don't see the men. Our brains like to run on default. Our brains like to take one thing, believe it, and then run that program no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on in your life. Your brain is going to want to uh, draw from your past experiences, draw from what's happening in the moment because it wants to keep you safe. It just wants to run on default mode. It's it's lazy. It wants to save calories. It wants you, you to stay in your comfort zone. It doesn't want you to do 
any different. And when you let your brain run in default mode and you don't question the belief, are there really any good men out there, it keeps you stuck in your dating process. Like it's really hard to generate any kind of creativity. It's really hard to generate any kind of motivation or intention, any perseverance, any um, real uh, action, like massive action that would get you out there meeting the kinds of people that you would want to meet. So one of the things that I really like to do with uh, my clients is deal with the underlying issues around the belief that there are no good men out there. Often when when we run the numbers and we get to the point that they say, oh yeah, so there are definitely people in my area, what comes up for them is some of the deeper issues around feeling unworthy, or if a, if they really did meet one of those good men, that good man wouldn't choose her, or she would sabotage the relationship, and we end up having to work through some of those deeper issues that are underneath the thought there are no good men out there. Because why would we choose the thought there are no good men out there? Because even we want to be safe. Even we don't want someone to get close to us. We don't want to risk being hurt. We don't want to risk failure. So going back to whether there are good men out there, I actually wanted to go through some some theories that I had based on like anecdotes that I've that I've heard fairly recently. There's a theory that we're only six degrees away from anyone else on the planet. And now with social media, you know, Facebook, all of the platforms, we're actually potentially even more connected than the time when that theory of the six degrees of separation was, was put out there. And I tested this out after I met my husband, Kent. And I found out that not only did we have a mutual friend, we had, I, I used to be in um, a public speaking club for many years, and he went to high school with a lady that I participated in this club with for many years. Not only that, during uh, the first year after my divorce, I moved, I moved out of the marital home, and the condo that I moved into was only 15 minutes away from where Kent lived. So during the nine months that I lived in that condo, we potentially went to the same library. We probably went to the same gas stations. We probably went to the same grocery store. Which is kind of weird, you know? So you really, that anecdote showed me that I was just one degree away from the person that I married. In the last episode, last podcast episode with Brooke, you know, we talked about her going through my coaching process and she ended up meeting the love of her life on a dating app. However, he turned out to be an old friend from high school. Another client of mine met her ideal partner through an introduction from mutual friends. And then going out a little bit further, my life coach is a very wealthy woman. She makes over $35 million a year. She got divorced in 2019 and is now in a relationship with a man that she met on Bumble just four months ago. When I start to talk to people who have met their ideal partners and I put the success stories together, I started to notice that they weren't thinking that their ideal partner wasn't out there. 
they actually went out into the world, however they did it. So some people met their partners through a dating app. Some of them met them offline, through introductions, networking. So There's so many different opportunities to do this. But what the common denominator is that the thought, there's no one that I could be with, does not cross the mind of the people who are successful in finding their ideal partner. One more example. So I, uh, years ago, I used to listen to the Impact Theory podcast with Tom Bilyeu. And I wish I could find this episode, but I'm having to dig really deep to find it. Uh, but I remember an episode where he talked about his business partner. So Tom Bilyeu is one of the co-founders of Quest, the nutrition company. And it was founded by three uh three business partners who were already millionaires at the time that they founded that they founded Quest. He talked about his business partner who was single and would work his dating search on all the dating apps in between business meetings and they would tease him about it. So he had spreadsheets and he would meet a lady and he would like say okay I went on this date with this lady and would work his um his dating process in between business meetings. Now, ladies sometimes tell me the kind of guy I want is not in a dating app. Well, here is the evidence that sometimes multimillionaires are also on dating apps just like Bumble. Uh, This gentleman eventually did meet his wife and married a lady that he met on an app. So how you approach meeting people is seriously impacted by how likely you think it is that there is a perfect match for you out there and that you are going to find that person. So ask yourself, is your brain holding on to the belief that there are no good men? Or are you holding on to the belief that if there was a good man, that he wouldn't choose you? Or are you holding on to the belief that if there was a good man and he chose you, you would somehow self-sabotage the relationship? All of these thoughts are intertwined and interconnected. And if your brain is holding on to that belief, you're going to interpret everything that happens on your dating process as further evidence that there are no good men. In fact, when you hear that someone else met someone and is getting married, instead of interpreting that as, oh, wow, she just met someone, maybe there are more people out there, you're likely to interpret it that she just snapped up the last good man in the world because your brain is in default mode and it doesn't matter what evidence shows up for you, you're going to take it and turn it into evidence that you're not going to find the right person. So I really want to challenge you today to take a moment. What am I really thinking? What's really going on in my brain? Is my brain trying to keep me in the comfort zone? Am I sitting in a lot of negative thinking about my possibilities? Am I like falling for the trap where my brain doesn't want to exert any effort, where it doesn't want to risk any failure? Am I ignoring the evidence that there are good men in the world? And do I need to start questioning and re-examining how I am interpreting what's happening in the world? I'll give you um, a little example that tends to work really well uh, with my clients when I'm you know, getting them out of this mode into a mode where they are super motivated, super energized, taking massive action and really accelerating their process. I talk about this very common situation when you buy a car. 
you buy a car and once you take it home, it's the funniest thing. You just start to see that make, model and color of car everywhere you go. This happens to everyone. It's like a universal experience. You buy a red, I don't know, you buy a red Kia. Everywhere you go, you start seeing red Kias. So did those red Kias suddenly show up out of nowhere? Did they suddenly appear on the planet? Or had they been there the whole time and your brain was just closed to seeing those cars because you didn't have a personal connection to those cars? The truth is they were there the whole time, but you had a blind spot to them until you bought the car and now had a personal connection and a belief that this car exists in the world. So your past experiences, all of the input that you've had, your past relationships, and the default habit of your brain in believing that there are no good men out there could be keeping you closed off to the possibility that you might be just one degree away from the perfect guy. So I want you to really think about that and then go back and decide to look at your search for a partner in a different way with a new belief that there are plenty of good men out there. But if you have trouble thinking or believing that there are plenty of good men out there, maybe this will help you. I also like to think that if there were only 20 good men left on the entire planet, I personally like to believe that I would have been one of the women who would find one of those 20 men and married them. So even if you hold on to the evidence that there's not a lot of men, can you believe that you are one of the women or you could be one of the people who would find them? Like, could you close the gap between who you think you are now and who you think you need to be to actually find one of these rare creatures who is a good man on the planet? And why wouldn't you want to be that person? My uh, my son and his uh, best friend, you know, they're 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 teenagers and they've got a lot of swagger and a lot of confidence, which I love. And there is this phrase that they like to use, which is called "built differently," and I love it because it just shows so much self belief. So whatever situation they, that comes up, you know, they talk about when things happen to everybody. They're like, "Yeah, I'm just built differently. Mm-mm, that doesn't happen to me. I'm built differently," and I love it because our beliefs run our results. So could you believe that you're built differently, that you are an irresistible, amazing, smart, intelligent woman, and even if there were only 20 good men left, you would absolutely be one of the ones who would go out there and find and marry marry one of them. So the idea here is to let go of the thought that there are no good men out there. Because it's not useful, it's not helping, it doesn't motivate you, it doesn't get you off the couch and off Netflix to actually get out into the world and meet people and create the relationship that you want. When you choose to open yourself to these new possibilities that you haven't considered before, you're going to see so many opportunities that exist around you. And when you start to see those opportunities and those possibilities, you'll get out of feeling helpless and discouraged and a victim of everything that's happening out there. And it'll help you get out of sitting in any negative emotions coming from the belief that there are no good men out there and get you out there creating amazing connections and creating the relationships that you want. 
Thank you for your time and attention, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening today. If you are ready to get married after divorce, I want to invite you to download my free eight video training specifically designed to help divorced women date with ease and get married again. Head over to shadecurry.com to get started. That's S-A-D-E-C-U-R-R-Y.com. I'll see you inside.